before I get started, we would like to thank four new patrons. Thank you so much, Hannah, Zareen, Lillian, and Francis, um, for being patron of the of queer arts, aka this podcast. We love you deeply and forever. Yeah, thank you all so much. It is so very meaningful that you all want to support us, and uh, we we really couldn't keep doing this without you. Uh, other people that we want to thank are the latest people who have left us reviews because those are super helpful for getting the word out about our show. So to Controlled Abandon, Guardian1239, and Sierra Addict on iTunes, thank you so much for leaving us reviews. Uh, you're really awesome. So two more reminders. One is just that we have some new merch in our shop, including our very latest new merch, which is a holographic sticker of Snape's Doe Patronus saying, get over it. Or I guess it's Lily's Doe Patronus. It's a Doe Patronus saying, get over it. It's an anti-always sticker. It's as Sarah Sarwar said, the original purpose of a holographic sticker being invented was to make Patronus stickers. It's so beautiful. You all go, at least go look at it, even if you don't want to buy it. I mean, they're they're cool as fuck, so you should totally buy them. But also at least look at them because holographic stickers are cool as fuck. I don't know. They make, they're, they would be very excited, that's all. Yeah, it's it's really great. Um, and then lastly, just our reminder that we are asking for your help in transcribing our episodes and we offer, uh, access to Patreon only content in exchange for your help. So if you go to thegailyprofit.com slash transcriptions, you can find the information on how to do that. And we will be super grateful to you for your help because we really want to make our podcast more accessible. And at the moment, we cannot afford to pay someone uh, with actual dollars to help make that dream come true, but we can afford to pay you in rich content. And our eternal thankfulness. Yes, <laughs> both. <laughs> All right. And with that. The Gailey Prophet operates under the assumption that you've read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. <laughs>
Hello and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Chapter 9, A Grim Defeat, in which we pick up right where the Chapter 8 cliffhanger leaves off, in which... Sirius Black has broken into the castle and attacked the fat lady. All the kids in Hogwarts are now having a sleepover in the Great Hall while the teachers try and fail to find Sirius. Hermione reminds us that Hogwarts a history should be required reading as one does not simply apparate into Hogwarts. Everyone is baffled by how he got in, so the teachers finally have to, and let me check my notes, actually account for where Harry is at all times like a normal school. Also, tell him that Sirius is looking for him for like four months after the fact. <laughs> Harry, our tender jock, only cares about the upcoming Quidditch match. The Slytherins, showing common sense, don't want to play in a fucking thunderstorm, so it's so it's Gryffindor versus Hufflepuff. Harry is distressed to find out the Lupin is out sick, and Snape is the worst sub ever. The match is predictably a disaster, even before all the dementors show up, causing Harry to fall off his broom, pass out, lose the match, and have his trusty Nimbus 2000 smashed to bits. Oh yeah, Harry sees a large shaggy dog at the top of the Quidditch stadium before all hell breaks loose. Dun dun dun. Wow. Yes. You should be a professional IMDb summary writer. <laughs> <laughs> so many things that happen in this chapter that is important. That's <laughs> true. But also so many things that are like, okay, what? <laughs> we start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Wizengamot considering proposal to ban Quidditch if International Quidditch League refuses to update safety rules. <laughs> it's they don't cancel quidditch for trivial things like thunderstorms like children being in danger of dying from being hit by lightning what and then woods like if you don't find the if you don't find the snitch this could go into the night into the night in a thunderstorm (laughs) but But we're not in sports yet. And so we turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. I don't know what it is about the description of the squashy purple sleeping bags, but I have always wanted one. They sound so comfortable. It's the word squashy. It's like a very comfortable inducing word, I feel like. Uh, Same. Yeah, every time I read it, I'm like, oh, that sounds great. I know. (laughs) Um, So here's a question. Dumbledore says that he's going to have Filch restore the painting of the fat lady. Isn't painting, like, oil painting restoration something that you, like, literally go to college for? It's, like, a super high-end, like, I work in a museum restoring paintings kind of job. This is, you are in fact correct, um, which is why I'm like, Filch, just move it to the muggle world and become an art restorationist. Like, why are you wasting your time at Hogwarts? 
That's what I'm saying. Like, well, I mean, I guess that sort of is the question is like, is this something that Filch can do? And if it is, why isn't he just doing that? I don't know. Right. Because, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that we've given, we're not really giving any indication they were like, witching world museums necessarily so like maybe this is where this is the biggest collection of like portraits in the uk is so he's like i guess i gotta be here Hmm. but also weirdly still whatever he does like to maintain quote unquote the school it's just like none of it makes sense it doesn't make any sense because it's a really skilled trade to have be like art rest like i'm like you should be doing nothing but this probably (laughs) especially in the fucking uk it's like you can't spit without hitting a fucking art museum in, you know, London and Oxford and presumably other largely populated areas. So, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't have to talk to anybody. You just put your headphones on, listen to music. Like, it's perfect. It's the perfect job for him. Yeah, it's it's very bewildering that he's just, right, not doing that full time and has to ever deal with students. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what's next? So one of the things that is used to describe the outlandish theories about how serious Black gets in is like Hannah Abbott being like, maybe he could turn to a flowering shrub. And it's like, but you have magic. This is actually like, he could be turning to a flowering (laughs) shrub. Would you even know if there was a potted plant randomly in the Hogwarts? You wouldn't. That's you would true. walk right past it and be like, whatever. Yeah, which, you know, in, um, like, cartoons all the time, people, like, sneak into places by, like, being in, like, a potted plant. And then, like, when no one's looking, they, like, pick it up and are like, <laughs> and then someone comes and they, like, squat down again. Um, that's a beautiful image to have of Sirius. <laughs> <doing>. <laughs> If Hannah Abbott wasn't a pureblood, I would, I would assume that she had been like watching Looney Tunes. We just get another glimpse of uh, McGonagall's gambling issue here, where she's like, "No more Quidditch, Potter," and he's like, "But," and she's like, "Well, okay." <laughs> like she didn't even she put up the bare minimum resistance before she's like, "Okay, I guess Hooch can like watch you guys," and it's like. Yeah. But really, McGonagall? <laughs> yeah, she's like, I tried. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. She had to shoot an hour to her bookie very quickly after that. Yeah. Speaking of Quidditch, I want to point out that we get our first reference of doomed dreamboat Cedric Diggory. Yes. <laughs> and how handsome he is. It's like the first thing that we get about this. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. I um the thing that that stuck for me in that passage was that uh one of the twins says that he is stupid, dense something. And I'm curious about why cuz like he's obviously not when we meet him again and also like he's not in the same grade as them so like with I don't know. Was that just trying to like calm Oliver down or you know, I couldn't tell if it was that or if it was, like, teen boy jealousy. He's like, oh, that dude, he's not so great. 
Yeah. He could barely he could barely speak. <laughs> Unlike me or so, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's just it is very ridiculous where it's like they're just making a comment about how hot this dude is. Like, chill out. <laughs> yeah. Jealousy makes more sense. You're right. In our ongoing uh, complaints about how things are depicted in the movies, I would just like to point out that the werewolf differs from the true wolf in several small ways. Emphasis on small. You know, I I just saw a, tw- I saw a tweet earlier this week that reminded me of this, where someone was like, the gist of it was you can tell a lot about a person by the parts, the thing in the Harry Potter movies that makes them the most angry. And I think that of the top three things, the way the werewolves look in the movie is like one of my top three things that I hate most about the movies. (laughs) Like it infuriates me. It's extremely upsetting. And it like, it doesn't, it's like you could have just had a CGI wolf. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you could even had... I would have even accepted a CGI wolf that can somehow, like, walk on two legs a little bit. But, like, not the, like, weird spindly creature that we get. I'm like, it's very... It's just, like... It's literally not <laughs> what werewolves are supposed to look like. No. And I think I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating... That werewolf is worse than the, like, gorilla situation werewolves on Buffy. Those, the werewolves in Buffy are awful. That is, it doesn't even look like a wolf, right? Like, not even anything like a wolf. It looks like, I don't know, an orangutan, maybe? But this is, this is worse than that. And that is just, like, that's... That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like an aesthetic choice that like, why? Just why? Like, why, why would you have made that choice? And considering that I've seen the movies twice ever, the fact that that scene where Lupin changes and then like time kind of freezes and he like howls is burned into my brain I think is also really saying something about how absolutely terrible it is yeah they should have borrowed the animatronic wolf from the never-ending story (laughs) to use as the werewolf that's a scary fucking wolf that wolf scared the living daylights out of me when I was a child it's like just have just have a CGI wolf or a real wolf or like a wolf dog Right. I don't know how much CGI is, but, like, if Game of Thrones could, could do it on a television show, they could have had a fucking realistic wolf in this movie. I mean, all the CGI in these movies is really bad. They used their whole CGI budget on Quidditch scenes, and then they didn't have any left over for the werewolf. Yeah. Which is very unfortunate. It really is. Speaking of learning about werewolves... I'm so proud of all of the Gryffindors for talking back to Snape when he is substituting them. Like, they are all just like, no, we're going to shut this shit down as much as we're able to. And it, like, it just, it's so touching and heartwarming that I'm like, I love it. Yeah. I just, I love it so much with the kids. And I'm like, also just like, 
so proud of Ron for really getting to the heart of Snape's bullshit to be like, why the fuck do you keep asking these questions if you don't want us to answer? And just like, he just, it's such a, it's like such an astute observation and just like kind of like the perfect thing to do when like Snape like cuts her money down, just, just cuts her down so sharply for no fucking reason. And Ron is like, oh no, this is not going to happen. And I'm like, it's just... You know, I just want to give give Ron his props for that. Yeah, because he's doing a lot of different things in that scene that are that's very great. Mm-hmm. And Hermione's having a not, a very hard chapter this chapter. That's yeah. like all I, I want to say. So I hope that like, you know, Neville was like after class, like gave her some chocolate or something to be like I understand, and like, I hope that like the kids took a break on her calling her a know it all. Because I still really mean of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless. Uh, you know, this happened, and then she thought that her friend died the next day. It's like, this is a very hard couple of days for her. It really is. So. Uh, yeah, that moment where Snape says that to her, and, and I want to get more into this in education, but he says that to her, and, like, you see her react uh is so painful it's because i don't know i mean one i super identify with it like she knows that snape is full of shit and a jerk and a bully but that doesn't mean that an adult in a position of power saying something like that to you isn't terrible and the whole rejection sensitive disorder or whatever it's called that comes with ADHD is like just made it so that I like felt her reaction in the depths of my soul. I was like, oh yeah, like being punched in the stomach. Like that's so terrible. Uh, and it just it just hurt me a lot. And a it's lot like. Empathy. It's like she's getting it from all sides. She's getting it from her fellow students. And I'm sure probably worse than the kids that aren't in her, that aren't Gryffindors, maybe. I don't know. I can't tell if this is a Gryffindor-specific thing to be mean to Hermione or if, like, all the other houses are doing it. I don't know. But the Slytherins like, are. The Hufflepuffs probably aren't. And they yeah. don't have classes with Ravenclaws, so. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so she's getting it from her, like, her housemates. But, like, yeah, it's just, like, it's, like, quadruply terrible getting it from an adult who, like, this is the approval that she's going for, you know? Like, this is what she wants. Mm-hmm. It's, like, painful to watch is her reaction because you know that she has just, like, died a little bit inside. Yep. And I'm just, like... Snape, you're such a piece of shit. You know that you're the fucking same exact way when you were her age, you fucking garbage human. Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? Do you think that he's punishing Hermione because she reminds him of him and he, you know, feels embarrassed about childhood him and is taking it out on Hermione? I feel like it's hard to say because he is, I mean, and 
exemplified in this chapter, he is shitty to the Gryffindors as a whole. Yeah. But I think for, like, Hermione, he is relying on his knowledge of being a kid like that to cut her more painfully than, like, the rest of the kids. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know if it's, like, to, in order to prevent him from feeling any kind of embarrassment about the kid that he was, or... Actually, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I right? mean, it does it, yeah. The, the motivation the, or whatever behind it doesn't make any difference. So yeah. Grow the fuck up and stop acting out towards fucking 13-year-olds, you monster. Yeah. Okay, so here's another question for you. What is the point of them not making it clear that Patronuses are animals until Harry produces a corporeal Patronus? Because they describe on the train, it said that Lupin, quote unquote, shot silver stuff at the Dementors. And then again here, Dumbledore shot silver stuff. But why? Like, because it would be confusing if they said he shot this, like, silver phoenix at the Dementors, or what? I mean, I assume it's for the dramatic reveal at the end where, like, the majestic Patronus stag comes to, like, save Harry and Sirius. It's like, it, like it doesn't actually make any sense why it wasn't, like, right, that... Dumbledore's Patronus, right, isn't a like, is a full creature, so it's weird that it's sort of vague until Harry can produce one himself, and then it's okay to be like, oh yeah, here's a Patronus cat, you know, whatever. Yeah, because I don't think we see anyone casting not animal Patronuses after this book. Mm-mm. I mean, we see the kids learning to cast them in the DA, but... But we don't see, like, full-grown witches doing that. No. You know? Yeah. No, they all have... They all have a form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bizarre. It yeah. might be a correction, potentially. Yeah. It's, a, you know, the plot is the answer, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. So my last front page is... So I... I really love the bit where it's like halftime of the Quidditch game or halftime, whatever. They, they're taking a break, a pause, whatever it's called. They call the timeout. And they call the timeout. Thank you. And Hermione comes down and is like, I'm going to charm your glasses so you can actually see what is happening. And everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> How is this not common knowledge? Like y'all play a sport where you're playing in ridiculous outdoor weather conditions. This should be... Like, the third thing you learn if you're playing Quidditch, which is how to repel water off of your glasses. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too, because next, it can't be the next book. There's no Quidditch in the next book. So I guess book five. Uh, they, They cast the impervious spell on their faces when it's raining, which if it works like that, that should be like lesson one Quidditch. If it's raining, you cast this spell on your face. Like Hermione's the first one to think of this Quidditch hack. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. And like, okay, we can we can all acknowledge that Hermione is the true 
goat aka greatest of all time in this series but that is Hermione doesn't need to be the vehicle of what should be literally common knowledge yeah that's something that should have come from wood especially considering how quidditch obsessed he is Mm -hmm. this is definitely in a quidditch magazine somewhere totally um speaking of quidditch stuff that isn't in the sports section my last front page is just that harry's broom being broken is really sad it is so sad Mm -hmm. i mean mcgonagall illegally obtained that broom for him it's very special yeah it is and he's already like i and i want to talk about how fucked up he is in the later section but like he's already so fucked up about having lost and having had this terrible experience with the dementors and then it's like p.s like your most prized possession is destroyed it's just the terrible icing on the very sad cake there really should be some kind of fail safe against that you would think (laughs) (laughs) against the broom flying into the whomping willow yes oh like a protective charm around the tree that hits people (laughs) for instance that is apparently a very rare tree anyway it's like there isn't any kind of like like if this was in a botanical garden it would have like a protective mesh covering or something like what what are y'all doing what are what are witches doing Uh, yeah in the in the florida keys there are these trees that are related to poison ivy and the whole entire tree is like poison ivy like if you stand under it during a rain you will get a rash on your whole body i forgot what they're called i know but on any like hike that you do anywhere in the keys Either there's a huge sign about the trees at the start of the hike or every tree on the hike has like a little metal sign tacked to it that's like, don't touch me. That's not even a botanical garden. That's like an underfunded state park. So like a spell on the Whomping Willow is the least they could do. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. We really need some sort of, like, uh, speechless gesture to podcast translator for when we're both just like, I, I don't, I don't know. It's. Yeah. What, what is, what is the, like, what is the old timey radio sound effect that we would need? Like, sad trombone? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um. So that's a sound effect I can easily add to the podcast <laughs> for when you've just been sitting, gesticulating in frustration. So, uh, listeners, please tell us what old timey radio sound effect should go in for when I am just flailing my arms in frustration about this goddamn school. This is an amazing <laughs> development. I'm so excited. <laughs> <sighs> Welcome to the sports section, where we talk about sports, reluctantly. (laughs) What is it that we say? We haven't done sports in so long. Where we reluctantly talk about Quidditch. That's what it is. Yes. 
yeah, half this chapter is Quidditch, which is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably say this every Quidditch chapter because every time Quidditch happens, something fucked up happens and Harry or someone gets injured. But why is it Hooch always overseeing Quidditch practices? I also was surprised by McGonagall saying that. I was like, wait, is she not? What else is her job? Like, She's what are not. they paying for? Don't know. Quote unquote Quidditch class that doesn't actually exist after book one and then four Quidditch games a year. Like, I do assume that the first years that aren't Harry must continue with some kind of flying classes. Uh, but that just. Compared to everyone else, it just makes Hooch's workload just seem so much lighter. There's no homework to grade. There's no homework to grade. And the fact that McGonagall had to had to say, oh, well, we'll just have Hooch, you know, supervise the practice. Meaning she's not even watching the practices. <laughs> and I don't know if she's even, like, is she, is she refereeing the games? Because... Harry fell 50 feet in this game and Dumbledore had to save him. That should be her job. I, as we've established, she's like smoking weed behind the bleachers. But I mean, she's running an incredible scam. If she is like a full-time staff member of Hogwarts, presumably getting a salary and like room and board and all she does is like quote unquote referee for Quidditch matches a year. She doesn't even learn the students' names. Um, Hooch, I think, has the sweetest the the sweetest get up of any professor ever at this school. <laughs> she just she barely shows up, and they're paying her, and it doesn't even seem like she's part of. Dumbledore's network of spies and informants so she doesn't even have to be in danger for the rest of the crap that happens in this series so she's not in, not in the order of the phoenix she's going no. home for the summer she's uh, um I'm sorry I just I think that she's dating Madame Rosemerta she probably is she she, does, really? she has all this free time she's definitely dating someone they are such a good couple and she obviously would just be in hogsmeade all the time yeah madame rosemerta is like very clearly a high femme lesbian oh yeah definitely and i i just think that that they would be a great couple and that that makes so much sense that hooch is like never to be found because she's just like always down hanging out with her lady friend at the pub. Maybe. So it gets referenced. So, okay. We know that the Hogshead gets some interesting patrons, Mm -hmm. but it seems like from what Hermione and Rod mentioned in the last chapter, that even the three broomsticks gets like magical people that aren't human. Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe Madame Hooch is like the three boomsticks, like butch lesbian bouncer to make sure that like it doesn't get out of hand. Oh my God. What else is she doing with her time? 
I don't know, but we have to make a queer blur about this. Okay. 100 million percent. Okay. <laughs> and also, like, what if, what if she's, like, half owner of the three broomsticks and it's, like, her and Madame Rosmerta, like, started this pub together and she just, like, part-time referees at the school down the street, like, a fucking, like, volunteer parent soccer coach because, like... Even though she's not good at hanging out with them, but that's whatever. Which would explain her gruff ex- uh, manner in flying class where she's just like, you know what? This is this is even my real gig. I'm here part time for y'all because I love flying. I'm not going to learn any of y'all names, but we're going to learn how to get a broom. God damn it. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> She's, She's still, still a bad she... teacher, but, like, my whole attitude towards her has just been revised. Oh, no. She still smokes a lot of weed and should not be supervising children in a dangerous murder sport, but... No. <laughs> <sighs> wow. There's, like, just this this beautiful world blossoming in my mind. <laughs> maybe maybe this is what we should do after this episode. Just keep going with this because we clearly, we've already, we got a lot of detail. <laughs> yeah, no, let's do that for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because you know, you know, Hooch and Sprout totally are like smoking whatever dank weed that Sprout is growing in greenhouse, her private greenhouse. Yes. And... Rosmerta is is obviously part of the Hogwarts Professor Club, uh, and which makes which makes perfect sense because ninety eight percent of the Hogwarts staff is queer, so that's like her people. And I just love the idea of her like you know coming up from town in the evenings to hang out. With Sprout, which also, can you imagine, like, <laughs> the nights when there's, like, an emergency and, like, McGonagall and Sprout have to, like, go deal with their students, but, like, they're high as fuck because they didn't anticipate <laughs> it and they've been down in the greenhouses. <laughs> this is the real reason McGonagall's like, oh, you know what, Harry, you're right. We're just going to have a hooch supervised. You should definitely keep playing quick. <laughs> oh my god uh i definitely just wrote down that the three broomsticks has a gay bar upstairs by the way jesse oh my god (laughs) the kids never go up there but you know it exists yeah you have to like like, if like two-thirds of the hogwarts staff is queer they're all just and they all just go down the three broomsticks to drink yeah there's like a beaded curtain you know, and you have to, like, know a special knock or something to open the magical door at the top of the stairs. Yeah, it definitely has a password. Oh my God. Uh, it's very, like, 1940s gay bar. And the password is queer IRL witch. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Um, yeah, this this just wrote, this just wrote itself, honestly. It did. We just <laughs> cut this from the episode and used it as a queer part. <laughs> uh, I wrote. I, I took a bunch of notes down so we can like go in a lot of different directions when we actually talk this out. Fantastic! It can also be uh, to be continued one, two, yes. or like a multi multi part. Uh, 
Yeah. Okay, we we're in the sports section, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> but we figured out why Hooch is never saving anyone and she's never at Quidditch practices is because she only works part-time and spends the rest of her time with her girlfriend at, at the bar that they owned. Yes. Um Yeah, we took a little like detour through like the lifestyle section for a minute there. I also definitely wrote down that Hooch and Sprite are buds and then put LOL yeah. next to it. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic pun. Uh, in case you don't know, gay people love puns. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be a weird episode my notes are so weird so many weird tangents oh. today i'm so excited to tell you about so many tangents that i have i can't wait <laughs> all right all right all right so so speaking of quidditch is dangerous who should be watching practices just also like this chapter like, this game is so dangerous. There's lightning, and they're in the sky. That's bad. That's, like, really fucking dangerous. Yeah, okay, so it is dangerous, yes, number one. This is the thing that makes me more angry. In five minutes, Harry is soaked to the skin, why isn't his robes waterproof? Why aren't they not have warming charms? Why is he cold and wet, covered in, I don't know, wool or whatever the fuck these are things are made out of? Cotton, canvas. Why? So that's another note that I have is why has no one invented a spell to put a dome over the Quidditch pitch? Yeah. <laughs> Why is it not just a dome? Why? Right. Why are they being rained on? There's no reason. Like the fucking ceiling of the Great Hall shows what the sky outside looks like. So even if they didn't want to have to like light a dome, they could just do the same spell so that it was like the same as outside. Only it had a fucking ceiling. And we already know that that magic exists basically TARDIS magic to make things bigger on the inside. You wouldn't even have to take up a lot of room, it seems like, if you want to have an indoor fucking stadium. Right. And it's now they're playing, they're not playing professional Quidditch, they're playing, it's with other 15-year-olds. Like, it doesn't need to be out in the elements that can go on for, like, two months. There's no reason for that. Zero. And if you had a fucking dome, you wouldn't, you could stop 100 fucking Dementors from rolling up into the pitch. True. You sure could. Like, that happens and they're like, this is fine, the game can still go on. What? I, well, Harry falls pretty immediately. And we all know Hooch is not present. So <laughs> Hooch is too stoned for the like for it to take effect. Yeah. She's just like, oh man, I'm having a bad trip. <laughs> <laughs> But someone 
over and shut up and like wait. I'm out. It's true. <sighs> Can we talk about like why? So here, okay. In the last book, if they had canceled, if the if the Gryffindors had called off the match because of the bludger that tried to murder Harry, they would have had to forfeit the game. The game is not canceled because of a fucking thunderstorm that is putting children in mortal peril. Not even just the students on the brooms, all of the students. You're not supposed to be outside in an open area during a thunderstorm. That's bad. You're not supposed to. It's dangerous. The The lightning's going to hit the tallest thing, which is either the kids on the brooms or the fucking stands. So, Or the... What are they called? The, the goalposts, the which might yeah, the be goalposts. acting as, like, lightning rods. Maybe. But, which as long yeah, as you're I not think... touching it is safe, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What, <laughs> that doesn't seem very safe. But, yes. Okay. Um, But why? So, given all of that, why were the Slytherins allowed to reschedule? Because it seems like it should have been, like, because they had the Gryffindors in a later book have to play without a seeker. Maybe mm-hmm. this book when Harry is injured or something. They have to they have to play anyway. So if Malfoy is like, my arm is hurt, I can't play. And the Slytherins are like, we have to reschedule. It should have been like, sorry, you have to play without Malfoy. Or you forfeit the match. Those are your options. That is a really good question. I don't know. Is it because it's early enough in the season that they can, like, move up the Hufflepuff versus Gryffindor match? I mean, honestly, I think it's because Snape, like, pulled some strings or something like that because he's shitty. And McGonagall would be like, the rules are the rules. We follow the rules. Which is weird because I feel like McGonagall is much more bendy about the rules involving Quidditch than she is about most other things. That's true. I want to talk more about Cedric Diggory. Um, besides being a doomed dreamboat, he is so good here. He's like, as soon as he finds out that he caught the snitch after Harry fell off his broom, he's like, no way, y'all. This wasn't fair. We need to, we, this isn't a win. But it's like, it still counts because Quidditch is the worst game ever. Yeah. And I just, he's just so good. He's so good and pure. And he, we see him continue this in the next book, where his dad's like, you beat Harry Potter. And Cedric's like, dad, no, Harry fell off his broom. Like, stop it. We- in a rainstorm. Right. Like the fact that, even though I will say, Cedric doesn't need to give himself props. The fact that he saw the snitch in a thunderstorm in a stadium full of Dementors is impressive. Well, he, the Dementors weren't there yet when they both started going for the snitch. That's true. Yeah. The Dementors are there for like a second, I feel like. Like they Harry is already flying for the snitch when the Dementors show up. He flips out, falls off his broom, Dumbledore kicks the Dementors out. So I feel like they're there for maybe a total of like fifteen to twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, no, Cedric is like good at everything. He's like so kind and good i 
there's you know all the all the all the girls are swooning over him because he's pretty but i feel like he gets extra swoons because he's also just like a good dude he is such a good person he is uh this is a very old meme but he is uh the epitome of perfect cinnamon roll too pure for this world (laughs) yeah so i just wanted to to shout out that actor sorry that actor is in twilight right is he edward Mm -hmm. cool i who knows if this is true i saw it somewhere on the internet uh it might have been like an like a teen vogue article or something though i don't know don't quote me on it but apparently the actor was like i literally don't know why anyone watched the twilight movies oh no he's gone on multi he's he's on record multiple times talking about how much he hates those movies it's hilarious which makes me feel like he was well cast as cedric diggory you know i mean he is he's a dreamy looking dude so in that regard like it makes sense to me. And yeah, the actor, Robert Patterson or whatever, like he's also seems like a pretty good dude. The fact that he talks shit about the Twilight movies is incredible. Um, yeah, I and... feel like anybody who like played like the heartthrob lead in a hugely successful movie and then is like this movie is like shitty and these books are shitty and they're like sexist and terrible and i don't know why you all like them like pat on the head 200 points for hufflepuff whatever um yeah anyway uh it's very off topic once again we can't talk about quidditch yes what is your other sports points i'm out i only have one more sports point which Again, I will probably always bring up in which Harry's priorities are such shit. Sirius Black is after him and got into the castle. Uh, I mean, his favorite professor is out sick and he has to deal with Snape. Um, (laughs) Percy is tailing him literally everywhere. (laughs) And he's just like, the Quidditch match. And I'm like, my dude. (laughs) And even when he's, he wakes up in the hospital. He doesn't remember getting to the hospital. He's been knocked out. You know, he had the trauma of a fuck ton of Dementors affecting him. And he's like, the match. And I'm like, my dude, (laughs) you're in the hospital. You have so many other things you should be concerned about than if you won. And like, I'm not a sports person. Like, I don't, I don't understand the, like, I mean, I get it as someone who has a lot of obsessions. I get the obsession part of it but sports people are so intense i don't know if it's better or worse than like fandom intense or not but because it's so much more socially acceptable than fandom obsession i feel like it makes it worse and in, in some ways i mean just because think about so like prevalent. the amount of violence that is associated with like sports events and, like, you know, people getting in, like, giant brawls on trains after events and, like, riots how many... in East Lansing. <laughs> like, every time Oh, yeah, they East play Lansing and Philadelphia. Oh, but it's like, oh, it's not a riot when white people do it after a sports game, uh, by the way, Mark. 
Uh, I'm pretty but... sure at least one MSU situation has been described as being a riot. Oh, no, there is definitely one of them where they, like, lit a couch on fire. They always a light a couch on fire. I've never understand. heard of them not lighting a fucking couch on fire. Even when they win, they just light fucking couches on fire. Why? I'm, I'm pretty sure years ago I saw one where a bunch of, like, white people trashed a cop car, and it's like, it's all in good fun. And I'm like, I hate the hypocrisy of this country. Totally. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, and so we see Harry doing this, and our favorite McGonagall doing this in this chapter, and it's just, like, fucking sports. Yeah. It's just... I, I do want to say, though, I had it elsewhere, but uh, Harry's response to them losing, he says that he lost the match. And I am I read that as part of Harry's, like, trauma. Like, I wrote no, kiddo, in my book, because, like, he's... It's not just on him, right? But he's taking full responsibility for this and he's like internalizing that he is bad because they lost the match because he was like, quote unquote, weak because the Dementors affect him that way. And I think that's like, you know, the part where it's about Quidditch is like a what the fuck sports thing. But like Harry's reaction here, I think, is because Harry is super fucked up. I agree with you 100%. It doesn't help that as a seeker and because of the rules of this fucked up terrible game that you kind of need the snitch to win anyway. So there's a lot of pressure riding on Harry to catch it. And unlike in another sport, like, I don't know, soccer, there's a lot of different ways to win a game. And if you mess up a part of it, it doesn't necessarily mean that like, oh, it was your fault singularly that we lost this game. Right. You know, but in Quidditch, because getting the stitch is sort of the point, kind of. Well, right. The game can't end until you catch the snitch, and it's worth so many points. Yeah. Which doesn't make any... Like, what what games are like that? Like, uh, anyway. I don't know a lot about a lot of games, but I think not many. <laughs> or any, perhaps. Yeah. Quidditch is kind of like pinball, I feel like. Like you, there's like the one thing that you can hit that's really hard to hit where you get like 500 points, but like the rest of it is just sort of like any of these holes will do like whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know a ton about pinball either, but I do know that different things are worth different amounts of points and like some of them are significantly higher than others. It's more like a video game, I guess, than it is a, a sport. But it's like a video game where... It's like everything else works normally, but then you have one super powered thing that's almost like a cheat that if you get it, you like it's like and, and it's like it's like cheating kind. Of, I don't know. It's yeah, just... you hit the gold brick and then you like do 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 and you're impervious and you're bigger and you can just run through all the things and get all the money like in Mario. Yeah. Only yeah. that ends the game and someone else is competing against you. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, this is a beautiful segue to this week's advertisement can we all right i'm ready (laughs) yes welcome to advertisements where we ask you for money and make you laugh uh this week's ad do you love quidditch but hate risking your life every time you play 
If so, Muggle Technology for Witches has the solution for you. MTW will equip your home with what Muggles call a video game, which will allow you all the fun of playing Quidditch right from the comfort of your own home. Imagine the feeling of soaring through the rain and lightning on a broomstick without ever having to leave the sofa. Video games are the safe alternative to Quidditch you've always dreamed of. Muggle technology for witches. You can't believe it's not magic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Okay. And now. Calling all lovers of hilarious queer witchy content. Do you wish you could surround yourself in a humorous yet ruthless rainbow goth blankie and block out the rest of the world? If so, the Gaily Prophet Patreon is the place for you. Check it out at patreon.com slash thegailyprophet. Other ways you can support us are by telling all your friends about us, leaving us iTunes reviews, buying our merch at thegailyprophet.com, or by making a one-time donation on our website. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. Look. Sirius Black broke into the castle, destroyed the fat lady. Dumbledore puts all the kids in one room. Is like, some other kids, you're in charge. 100% of the competent adults are leaving now. What? Yeah, no, I I actually, yes. You're correct. What fucking bullshit is that? That's ridiculous. They're not... They're children. If Sirius was trying to murder Harry, they just put Harry in the middle of a bunch of kids to get murdered, and then Harry to get murdered. Right. Like, someone should have called Hagrid, at the very least. I know Hagrid can't do magic, but she is impervious to a lot of shit, and she would protect Harry with her life. Right. And I'm like very sure that even as question mark hard to kill as witches are that Hagrid is especially hard to kill not that I'm trying to say that it, they should put Hagrid in harm's way I'm not trying to say that no but... I I feel you I understand what you're saying it's better than leaving the prefects guard the doors your fifth and sixth years like and it would be different if it seemed like the prefects even got any kind of I don't know battle magic training but they don't know i'm under no impression that they know how to even stun anyone no i mean being a prefect just means you're like a good kid i think it's like you're well done good track record you're a prefect and then because they're like we're going to search the castle the castle is so big it's so big like and there's just not that many teachers they could be anywhere right i mean i mean and it takes what it's like 3 a.m before snape is like yo we searched the whole dungeons that's like five hours later yeah even if you weren't able to transform into a dog you could have been gotten away or hidden away from like the 20 teachers that are searching this ginormous cat. I mean, like, speaking of video games, you know in, like, Ocarina of Time when you have to, like, break into the castle and all you have to do is memorize, like, the guards' 
patrol patterns and you like yeah sneak over the wall at the right time like that's basically what's happening they have like one teacher per corridor like Sirius could be literally anywhere and it's like oh there's a teacher like hide behind this suit of armor you know and he has the school memorized better than anyone besides the weasley twins so he it would be so easy this is not an effective you know the the hominem revealio spell yeah that'd be a really great spell right now <laughs> sure what <one>, <laughs> it just be like such a great spell the most bonkers thing is is that i don't it's like what even would the better alternative i guess the alternative would be to like i don't know call the ministry and get like a hundred people in the castle and like search for Sirius Black which not that I'm for calling the cops you should never call the cops really this situation maybe you could have called the ministry though yeah I mean also like you have like portraits everywhere which I'm sure are all like terrified and traumatized but like come on now they can definitely help you have ghosts that he literally can't even hurt like and again, the kids are all in one spot. You have one adult per corridor. You have this spell that tells you if there's another person in the corridor. Like, so easy. You just pop up, have an emervelio. Yes, there's a person here. You radio, by which I mean talking Patronus, the rest of the teachers, and then you do your thing. Yeah. They do this very poorly. It is, a, it is a very bad search and rescue. For sh- or not search and rescue, but search. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then putting literal children to guard the doors. Like, again, Sirius could just ch- kick these children in the face and they would fall. Like, he doesn't even need magic. I to, know. To, to, like, to... Uh, I can't even think of the word I want. I'm so frustrated. Take them out? Yes. Yes, he doesn't. I mean, right. Just be like... If he wants to incapacitate, right? So easy, right? And especially if, since it's like we we don't really get a sense. It seems to be the sense of like, like so many things in this school, who gets to become a prefect is pretty arbitrary. But especially if you're putting in like a bunch of maybe kids that don't get in trouble that just have good grades, those kids are like timid book kids. Like right. they don't. What are they going to do against someone who's like escaped from prison? Right. Yeah, it's no good. I'm angry about it. No, that is such a bad. A, I like. I'm speechless with how a te- what a terrible idea that is. Mm-hmm. Like even, not that they would ever actually do this, but you have Lupin in a wolf form who's not gonna attack everyone. Have him chilling in the Great Hall by the front door. Oh, this is just a wolf that uh, Hagrid knows. Uh, right. He's gonna chill here and watch y'all. Yeah. These these teachers are just, like, so incredibly bad at their jobs. Everything about the way Hogwarts is run is not good. Nope. Uh, uh, I have a little less serious editorial. Okay. Which is... Okay, so... Dumbledore says that they find the, the fat lady hiding in a map. Mm-hmm. Maps are a completely different visual look and feel than what we assume is a oil, like an oil portrait of a woman. And I feel like this really comes back to my bigger question of 
how does like how do you you're in a portrait you're like a an, an oil portrait of a human being like how do you travel into portraits that are a completely different style mm. of art than what you are which had me sort of imagining a very like Looney Tunes cartoon, <laughs> like you run into like an abstract painting, and all of a sudden you're just a bunch of colors, oh and you God, go into Jessie. like you go into a map, and you're just like I don't. I mean, it's just like because in my brain, I'm like, how else does that work? I love your brain. That's incredible. <laughs> um, I will say there are maps that are art, right? I want to say it was in the Oxford Library. I took a picture of this, like, exquisite tapestry map, which, just for the record, mapestry. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But it was, like, there were, like, people and animals and, you know, but it was still a map of England, presumably. Yeah. But, yeah, like, the sea had, you know, ships in it and, like, all of that. So there... I think that there are artistic maps. I really, really want us all to accept as canon the fact that you transform into the art style of the painting that you have entered. That is the most amusing, like, like why would you consider anything else besides the pure magic of that? Yeah. <laughs> so. So good. That's so good. Ugh. And it makes, like, Sir Cadigan leading them to the divination classroom just like so much better all of a sudden his horse is like this like you know four squares of like legs and body and head like yeah and uh i was actually uh i was yesterday i went to a a an art museum and even just like even across like what you consider like different style like similar styles of like say like a portrait like you'll have like the way that like oil pastels look different than like acrylic, which looks different than there's this way where you mix like egg whites into the into the ink and then put it on the canvas that looks so even just like the like textural differences of oil to like acrylic. I just feel like this is why we need Harry Potter movies that are like animated or something. Mm-hmm. Like they just Harry Potter should have never been a live action movie. I will die on that hill. Though if they were going to make a good live action movie, I feel like we have just entered the period of CGI goodness that they could they could make it happen now. The His Dark Materials series that's coming out over and over when I'm watching it, I'm like, if they had tried this even like three years ago, this show would not work. We just got to the point where these uh, demons are realistic enough that the show is going to work in five years you know yeah yeah and i mean i think also hbo learned a lot with the cgi for game of thrones and all that sweet game of thrones money which is maybe the only good thing to come of how terribly the show ended is that at least we get the dark materials that we always that we always needed (laughs) yeah uh yeah uh that's what only editorial was about that all right i have uh one and a quarter more. <laughs> All right. The quarter one is 
uh, just a, you know, recurring fuck off Ron watch for the fact that he apparently calls Hermione a know-it-all twice a week. So mean. Fuck off, Ron. <laughs> People stop being mean to Hermione. She is neurodiverse. This is how she is. Leave her the fuck alone. And yeah, I mean, come on. How many times has the fact that she literally knows it all saved your goddamn ass, Ron? Like literally eight times a book. You you should if you're saying that Hermione is a know-it-all, it should be a fucking compliment. It should be laying it at her feet like flowers. Like Hermione, you incredible human being, you know literally everything. I am so grateful to be your fucking friend. That's the only appropriate way. And that you want me to continue to live and just continue to save my ass over and over again with your bountiful, endless knowledge of the witching world. Yep. Anyway, uh, fuck off, Ron. Okay, here's my last editorial. So, we're in the Great Hall. Snape, Dumbledore, Percy, talking. Uh, uh, Snape is pretending that he doesn't want Percy listening. Snape is definitely intentionally speaking loud enough that both Percy and anyone awake in the vicinity can hear him saying just enough to start rumors about Lupin. Like, he has played... He... This is... Because he... When you appointed, right? He goes just that far where it's like, who was appointed this year? One person, right? And it's just so... He... mm, Snape, come on. For the love of God. It's just... You know, he's, he's trying... He's trying so hard. And it's so... It's like transparent reading it now. But then it's like literally no one's going to get it but Hermione, dude. Like, just fucking give up. I don't know. I feel like if the right person had been listening in, like Percy's ears are blocked by his like suck it up, suck up itness. You know, he's just like, I, I'm in on the conversation. Like, I'm, I'm important. Like, he's not listening to what Snape is saying in that way. But I feel like... Snape says enough that if the right person was paying attention, it would at least start rumors, you know? And like, fuck off. I just, he's so immature. I mean, I think that that, I mean, I have a whole section of my education about everything about Snape and the Defense Against the Art Deck Arts class that we have in this chapter. Yeah. Do you want to go there? Yeah. Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school and in continuation of our rant about fucking Snape. He's, as you said in the intro or the description summary, he's a terrible substitute teacher. He. So, okay, so there are two things that happen. That I that there are two things that I have teased out that are happening. So like, I mean, in general, he is just being the most insulting and terrible to Lupin. That it like, 
is it shouldn't be it's like criminal like what he is saying to these kids about Lupin there are a couple of things that I'm like are actually maybe questions that are for the overall in the school that he should be questioning but like saying it only about Lupin is fucked up Mm -hmm. but what I really what I want to talk about first I guess to segue from our other conversation is that he makes them read about werewolves, how to spot werewolves. He makes them write an essay, how to spot and kill werewolves. And let's, let's assume that he gives all of the, whoever, all the grades, all the levels that have his class that day, the day before, whatever long Lupin is out, let's assume that he's given half the school this assignment. Yeah. How fucked, like, it's so fucked. It is so fucked up. It's, I hate this fucking guy. It's, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Why is anyone even talking about killing werewolves? Like, that is so unethical. These are people. Mm. And I mean, the I, and I think the problem is, is that it is, it should be unethical to talk about killing werewolves at all, but as we've, can establish the witching world doesn't care about that werewolves are people. That doesn't excuse Snape's actions because Lupin is literally on the staff. Like, and if heaven forbid one of the seventh years try to murder Lupin, the ministry would have done shit about it. They would have been like, eh, yeah. what a werewolf, whatever. And that is, <laughs> I, I like I'm speechless about how problematic and fucked up that is. Yep. Also, Snape is trying too hard because, again, no one picks up on this except for Hermione. And she's not going to do shit about her information. She's like, I didn't say shit. I've known since November about you. I haven't said a goddamn thing. Right. She's I not mean, going because to. she knows that werewolves are people. Like, Hermione. And is also the smartest kid in the school. Right. Presumably. There wasn't even a question for her. Like, she read this chapter, obviously, before she even got to fucking school, because she's already read the chapter. But, like, she read it, and it was, like, how to kill werewolves, and she was like, that's fucked up. We don't kill people. That's fucked up. Right. And but then she puts it together about Lupin being out at the full moon, and all the information that we're getting. She puts it together. Yeah, she didn't Let's even just... need Snape's bullshit. She probably already no. knows at this point. Right. And let's assume that... If any other students know, maybe it's like two other kids and they're clearly not telling shit anyone. They're not telling, not telling anyone anyway. So it's like, what is even the point of this exercise? Like, especially since, especially since we already established that besides, no, I mean, Snape isn't going to say that Lupin is a good teacher, obviously not. But we've already established that at least the past two defense kids that's a dark arts teacher are, have been shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know who hasn't learned how to recognize a werewolf? Anyone who took... Lockhart's class last year. Right. None of those those seventh or sixth or fifth or fourth years have any idea how to identify anything. Right. Because they all just read Lockhart's shitty book. Right. Notice how to do shit. So it's like... I know. Right. And that's... So one of the things that Snape says is like, I would expect first years to be able to handle red caps. And I was like, maybe if y'all had one competent defense against the dark arts teacher, you would be like, I expect that this is being taught during first year, but you have literally no, I mean, maybe he 
knows what they've been taught each year, but it's like every teacher comes in and could basically teach the same thing to first through seventh year because these kids only there's no unified curriculum so it's like maybe they could have learned this and handled them during first year but they weren't given the opportunity to so what do you even mean what does it even mean to say i expect a first year to be able to do this it's like saying someone who is taking intro level like writing at in college like you expect a high school senior to be able to write that. And it's like, well, they, but they didn't take that class, right? Like, so what? So what is your point? They, so you still have to learn it at whatever point you're given the opportunity to learn it. So it's literally means nothing to say that. And it makes me so mad. I'm really mad about it. Yes. And so, and this brings me to a couple of points that, I want to say in which Snape is like, basically, Lupin's class is not academically rigorous enough. Right. But like, are any of the classes in this even school academically rigorous? Like, it's, I feel like they're not. It's hard for me to tell. I can't like, by what standard are you even judging academic rigor or like, you know, at all? Like, again, last year they just read, you know, uh, Lockhart's shitty books. Like, if you were a fifth year taking your owls, you'd be so boned. Yep. You know? And, like, I mean, divinations isn't academically rigorous. I mean, like... I mean, and the the kids are self-reporting that they're learning. Like, what else... What other metric is better to determine whether or not a class is working than if the kids in the class are like, I am learning? I experience myself to be gaining knowledge. So, like, fuck you for whatever metric you're using. Like, they know better than you do if they're learning right now. And right. they are. And, like, for the rest of the school, there is no metric because it doesn't even matter. Everyone just does whatever they want to. And Right. They just do everything right. backwards. And, like... I don't know, maybe Snape does keep meticulous notes and, like, you know, does an age-appropriate... Okay, no, wait. Lupin has fucking notes. Listen to this. The Snape comes in, he's like, Lupin doesn't have any notes about where you are. I have no way of knowing. Once the kids are all reading the chapter, which is what Snape has them doing, by the way, which is not teaching... Lupin teaches them. Snape is like, read what should be your homework in class while I do nothing. So like, fuck you, that's not teaching. However, while they're reading the chapter, what is Snape doing? He's looking through Lupin's notes on what the kids have been doing and telling the kids that they did a bad job and Lupin hasn't been grading them hard enough. Am I right? It's also so weird because this isn't even how Snape teaches his potions class. Basically is. He puts the ingredients on the board and is like, make the thing. And then he walks around criticizing people. Also not teaching. Like that's not, that's that's not teaching. Teaching would be like, this is why this reaction happens when you mix this thing with that thing. 
here no okay so here's my other thing that snape brings up is that so he critiques the organization the way that lupin organizes his class and like what they're learning granted none of this makes sense to me either honestly about what they're learning in defense against the dark arts but honestly the organization of any of the other classes makes sense to me either it doesn't look it doesn't seem like they're building upon the things they've learned in previous classes or previous years so it's kind Mm -hmm. of like what even is the organization of any of the classes at hogwarts bro like i mean as far as i can tell learning how to deal with magical dark creatures seems to be a perfectly fine use of like these kids class time totally so we see it come in handy we sure do next book like legitimate things that like come in handy we fucking never see harry being like ah yes this potion will help me except for the liquid lock but i mean that was with slughorn so right anyway yeah no but he fights two creatures that lupin taught him how to fight in book four I'm madder about this than I have been about anything about Hogwarts in so long. I'm so angry at Snape in this chapter. It's like his ire is directed at the wrong target. Where it's like, if you really have critiques about how the school is run, like Lupin is doing a fine job compared to literally anyone else in this fucking school. He's the only person doing a fine job. Yeah. We haven't seen any other, maybe Flitwick. I think Flitwick might be a good teacher. I feel like Flitwick and like maybe Sprout are good teachers. In Sprout's class, they go in and they just start doing the thing right away. She never talks to them about what they're doing or why it's important. That's true. Flitwick is the only person where we see that they're doing the practicing of the spells that he's taught. It's always in the second half of the class, which makes me assume that the first half of the class is spent with flitwick lecturing Mm. which is how the classes should be structured that's true i mean i guess also the bar is pretty low in which no one is being yelled at or put into too much danger in sprout's class so i'm kind of like that seems fine you spend an hour like potting some plants that sounds great yeah but like the fun part of botany is learning about like the evolution of the plants and like learning cool shit about how they work and how they reproduce and you don't learn that just by like working with the plants you know and she it seems like they basically are unpaid labor like that's (laughs) what i mean herbology is (laughs) which is so unethical i don't even know who they're harvesting all of this shit for but like sprout is making a pretty penny on the labor of these children who come in and like put on dragon hide gloves because the fucking plant's trying to eat them to get like seed pods or whatever for her. Mm. So I don't know. I love Sprout. I think she's a lovely human and a great head of house, but I don't think that herbology is a good class. I don't think they're Neville seems to be learning a lot. Neville seems to be learning a lot on his own time, much like Hermione. Uh, Yeah. I feel like Neville is, are, spends his free time reading about plants and taking care of plants. So, like, he is already set. Uh, so, <laughs> my wrap-up of this part uh, is basically that Hogwarts needs uh, ratemyprofessor.com. Yes. Which, hilariously, I looked up Hogwarts on the actual <laughs> ratemyprofessor.com, and there's a whole section in which the oh my God. top professor is, of course, Remus Lupin with a 4.8. Oh. Oh no, with Professor R.J. Lupin. With uh, 220 reviews. 
And then... How many chili peppers does he have? I don't know. Is that still a thing? Do they still have that? I don't... I don't actually, I don't see it, so I don't know if it's still a thing. Thank God. Um, I also want to just read to you um, how this school stacks up on Rate My Professor, okay. which is... So there's a 3.9 overall rating, uh, which is... Out of five? Uh, I guess I don't know what the overall quality rating is. Whatever it is, you guys have failed. It has a 4.7 overall reputation. Uh, 1.8 on internet, lol. <laughs> 4.3 opportunity. Uh, 4.7 happiness, also incorrect. So incorrect. Uh, 4.8 on food, also incorrect. Mm-hmm. 4.6 on faculties, incorrect. Um, 2.1 on safety, actually correct. <laughs> yes. So we got two out of six where people rated it appropriately and the rest of them people were just like using their rose-colored glasses, I guess. There's actually ten things on here that I'm like happiness and like clubs and like there's only like three clubs, you guys. Like how how can you give 4.0 on clubs? Uh, anyway, it just it just makes me laugh that that is really funny. I love that that exists. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we can. I have this link so we can post it on social because it really just makes me laugh that there's an actual yeah. page on RateMyProfessors.com. <sighs> that is that's a beautiful thing. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I like. I was literally laughing hysterically when I was when I first saw it because I was just like, I was like, oh, it's gonna be like a funny thing someone made up, and I'm like, oh no, this is actually on the website. Uh, um okay my last education point is just that ron's detention is disgusting they don't even like they use magic for things like this so he has to do it without magic but like they don't they don't have bleach you know they don't have disinfectant they probably they don't even have fucking rubber gloves like They don't have paper towels. What is Ron using? I, I don't really want to think about it, but like whatever the answer is, is revolting and not sanitary. But like, it's not like, I mean, it's not like the bedpans are being like emptied into a biohazard container like there's just the contents are just being vanished away like why what is he even cleaning you know i hope that you're right and that snape i don't know was just i don't know being the worst but i don't know because there are so harry's had grosser or will have grosser detentions with snape so it just seems like if this wasn't actually a gross detention, Snape wouldn't have assigned it. That's true. I don't know. I just really don't like it. Yeah, it's pretty gross. <sighs> okay, do you have anything else in education? Uh, you know, I have this in education. I don't actually know if this goes here, but I am deeply uncomfortable that Peeves can go into the dormitory and blow air into Harry's ear, like, in the middle of the night. Same. Like, they shouldn't be allowed. That's all. No. 
Yeah, it really shouldn't. They should really take care of that. Yeah, that's all. That's all I have. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. And our only politics today, yes, is a filch human rights violation watch. I have one more thing, but yes. We should start with the filch human rights violation watch. Cool, make the sound. Pew, pew, pew! <laughs> filch should not be uh, doing any of the searching, let alone the dungeons by himself. Yep. Also, my one politics point. Alone in the dungeons. With no magic. The fuck? Their only portrait restorationist. What would they have done if Felch would have gotten murdered? Come on, y'all. Done it with magic. (laughs) Pointed a wand and said, Reparo. This has been Filch Human Rights Violation Watch. <laughs> um, my other politics point is that we're in book three. Why does the Fet Lady not have a name? I don't think she has a name. Does that seem weird, though? We're just calling her the Fat Lady for, like, seven books? No. I think that she is a portrait for which, like, someone posed as a model, but it, like, wasn't a portrait of a specific person, and that mm. the title of the portrait is The Fat Lady, and so that's her name. Okay, fair. Is that, like, as opposed to, like, her friend Vi, who it probably says, like, portrait of like lady violet of nottingham or you know whatever um i think it's like whatever the artist titled the and like the intention behind it okay i can accept that i just i don't know it just bugged me that i'm like why didn't she have a name she's a kind of important character in this book she's a very important character i definitely would like prefer that she have a name but I I think in this case it's not like an oversight of Harry's. I think that this is just like what she's called. Oh yeah, no, I don't think it's the oversight of Harry. I just feel like this character should have a, should have been should have been given a name by J.K.R. That's all. Oh yeah, no, okay, I agree with you about that. Yes. Welcome. To the health and science section, where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and or science. So, as Hermione was so rudely cut off from telling us that there are small differences in between finding out for us to identify what is a werewolf and what is a true, actual wolf. If there are only small differences, how the fuck is anyone supposed to tell the difference between a werewolf and an actual wolf? Because people can't tell the difference between a dog and a wolf dog and an actual wolf. Like, (laughs) which, I mean, can be done, is hard, but can be done. And people, I feel like, confused dogs and wolf dogs and wolves a lot 
So how the fuck is anyone supposed to know what the fuck a werewolf and like a real wolf are? Like differences between the two. Besides, I guess, behavior. Because wolves don't want to be the fuck near any people at all. I was about to say, if you run into a wolf, regardless of if it's where or not, you don't want to get bit by the wolf. And like also shouldn't kill the wolf they're endangered and so regardless you should just i don't know stun it and run away so like why is this important great question also who's like oh no a wolf let me just take a moment to see (laughs) if these small but distinct differences (laughs) apply so i can tell if it's like if if it bites me if i'll get turned into a werewolf or if it bites me and I'll just have been attacked by a <laughs> fucking wolf. Like, come uh. on. <laughs> Which probably means that it's like rabid because wolves don't do that. Yeah, wolves don't want to be fucking literally anywhere near people at all. Right. Let me pull up my tape measure and measure your snouts to see <laughs> since the werewolf. Like, actually, I don't even know if that was a real detail she said, but I thought. I think it was. Right. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's just. Uh. I don't know. It's just, it's just so ridiculous to me because I'm like, who? Unless you had like like a trapped or a stunned wolf, you wouldn't. You would. You would never know, <laughs> unless it bit you and you became a werewolf. Right. So I don't know. It just seems, it just seems like a visual ID is going to be kind of useless versus, I guess, the contextualness of how you're encountering a wolf versus a werewolf. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, I agree. Um, my second health and science, which I guess probably could have been politics, but, uh, just as an FYI, uh, pulling on a cat's tail is not any kind of way of wrangling or handling them. Harry Potter. (laughs) I didn't get the impression that it was his first choice about how to catch Crookshanks. I know. I was just kind of like. It also made me sad. It's like, glad you didn't get bit the fuck by, by Crookshanks. That would have hurt a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Cat bites hurt like a motherfucker. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know that was probably not Harry's first choice. That's really a thing that people should be more concerned about is being bitten by cats and being bitten by werewolves. Probably, honestly. <laughs> At Hogwarts. At Hogwarts. Sure. In a school full of cats. Uh, yep. All right. We good? I think we're good. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Remember, please tell all of your friends about our show and rate and review us on iTunes or Facebook or wherever. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet, on our website at thegailyprophet.com, and on Patreon. You can find me in between episodes on my website, larkmalakai.com. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com. You can also find me on Instagram at larkmalakai or at Radical Healer. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at live from Detroit. Our music in our intro and our spoiler warning and if i put it under the ad then also there 
is by Kevin McLeod. Our show art and weekly comics are by Theo Julian Forrester. And our spoiler warning was recorded by Sarah Sarwar. And until next time. One does not simply apparate into Hogwarts. Its winged board gates are guarded by more than just walls. There are ghosts and portraits there that do not sleep. The great witch NSA there is ever watchful. It is a cold, drafty castle riddled with fire, mold, and dust. The very air you breathe is a poisonous fume. Not with 10,000 HEPA filters could you do this. It is folly. Uh, in case you're wondering, that is the entire one does not simply walk into Mordor speech from the first Lord of the Rings. That is tweet. Incredible. Because I was like, one does not simply operate into Hogwarts, and I had to keep going. You are <laughs> an American hero. I was like, I'll just have luck into that clip, and I'm like, oh no, wait. <laughs> that is so good, Jesse. <laughs> Oh my god, what a great ending. <laughs> that might have to repeat whenever we get a chapter where Hermione yells, you can't operate into Hogwarts. Okay. <laughs> I'll save it as a clip. <laughs>